There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hear me? I did. I heard you. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. You just say that and they show up. They come jumping out of a shrub. Oh, cool. No matter where you are in life, when you need the coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. Hi, my name is John Mullaney, and I feel irregardless <laughs> about being Conan O'Brien's friend. I feel like you'd be someone who can't hear that word said. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien, that's me, needs a friend, <laughs> which is literally anybody who's willing. <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast, joined as always by my stalwart team, mm. Matt Gorley. Mm. Hi. Uh, Sona, don't do that. Uh, Say Sona, hi? Just yeah, he went, what? He went, hi. You know, no, just... That's his normal voice. My God. Well, I'm sorry. My uh, God. I apologize. I called you my stalwart friend, and then you went right into that pervy voice. Anyway. Pervy voice? <laughs> Matt Gorley. And, uh, no, seriously, if I worked at a pizza restaurant, and someone called in an order, and I went, hello, and they went, hi. <laughs> I'd hang up. I did. I'd hang up. That's not what I did. Hi. Anyway, and Sonam Obsession, yes. I want to make sure I get your intro out. You're a person who's here, and I need to acknowledge you. <laughs> Jesus. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Thank what you so much. You're a person who's here. Thank you. You are. A, you wow. occupy space. Yes. You're and a person who's here, and I am a pervy <laughs> hell greeter. But I just said that is the nicest thing he's yeah. ever said about me, so, you And it's the nicest thing he said oh, about me. Gor- <laughs> oh, by the way, Gorley? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> It's the breathing heavily. (sighs) But it's also, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I just, it was like if a little insect could talk, it would go, hi. But now I'm just a little insect? Just a little bug, a cute little bug. You're an adorable bug. Pervy's not cute, which is it? (laughs) No, you're a cute looking little bug, and then it turns out you're a pervert. Okay, Okay. as long as I understand, I'm okay with it. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. Listen, we got to settle something. Yeah. A couple episodes ago, you really lit into us for drinking 
drinks with ice in them during yes. an interview. Yes, Refreshing yeah. drinks. Yes, I did. Yeah, and you said you would buy us straws. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You never did. Well, first of all, I'm a busy man, okay. as you know. Okay, that's fine. Straws are very hard to find. Well, I've got some here. Oh. And, uh, and are these economic, you know, because I, I, I do want to help the environment, so we don't want to have uh, disposable straws. What'd yeah. you get? These are just, uh, you know, just multi-use metallic straws, mm -hmm. and they're a little warm because they're in my pocket, but don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. God. You sure know how to excite a fella. <laughs> Anyone want to? And oh, I'm sorry, I called you pervy. Any, hey, anyone? Anyone want a straw that's that's in my pocket? Drink from the straw yeah. in my pocket. Yeah. Drink from the straw that's been warmed by my groin region. Would you like a lap temperature straw? Okay, so we're gonna. Uh, oh, can we bring man. David in? David has gotten us some some of the very same icy drinks that we were oh, drinking good. last hey. time. Oh, hi! Here's David Hopping, who uh, is the very, very good assistant who's been filling in. Okay, you don't have to for like, Sona stress since out when Sona very, very good. He just, I mean, thank you. I call him David. Picks up on the first ring, hopping. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is incredible. Yeah. So you brought. David, you, you brought the same drinks, yes? Same drink. So we can see. So go ahead and start talking, and Sona and I will try. Okay. So just Our, say something important. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I've got a very important announcement here from the... <laughs> what, 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 what is this experiment supposed to tell me, you freak? You're not... You're. <laughs> No. no one sips like this. And, <laughs> and yours is all going into your lungs, clearly, Gorley. You're like, <laughs> let me, give me one of these groin straws, which I will now call them. Look, I've got one, and I think it, hold on a sec. This is just me now. You stop, Sona. You stop. And coffee, you stop too, okay? What? First coffee? Of all, I laughed when I drank it. And it <laughs> you were like, let's <laughs> let's test your straws. I was so. I will pour the liquid uh, into my lungs, and we'll see how quiet it is, Cody. I was so excited to do this bit that yeah. I started laughing before it was funny. <laughs> and then, okay, oh let's God. hold on. Let's let's let me let me try it. And let's really. This is just okay. me. You guys back away from your. Let me. Let's see. This is me. I'm holding it right. <laughs> up to the mic i'm talking let's say i'm interviewing jeff goldblum okay uh hello jeff oh okay oh conan yes yes oh my boy my boy oh yes oh jeff do you mind if i take a little uh, sip oh my oh my boy please 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 hydrate hydrate all you will yes uh, 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 uh yes oh hydration mm, i was in the fly mm. <laughs> thank you jeff i appreciate it here we go wow silent let me try that try it Oh, stop doing that. Uh, what are you, <laughs> you idiots? Oh, that's good. That's quiet. Oh, okay, Conan, you might. Yes, Jeff, what is it? Well, they're clearly exaggerating the, uh, the sounds of their uh, uh, drinks. Mm. Oh, my boy. Oh, listen to that. <laughs> Can I say something? First of all, you. This this was your big. I love how you put a lot of thought into this. You had David go out and get straws, everything. I brought the straws from home in a warm body temperature bag. You know what my brother Neil does now? This is true. My brother Neil. Um, are you going to be okay? I don't know. Have you ever? Hey, have you ever used a straw before? Never. 
Oh my God, <laughs> you're crying. He's actually crying. Tears are coming out of his eyes. <laughs> oh my God. You sure showed me. You sure showed me. You lambasted us for saying we made too much noise when we drank. Well, take a look at this, buddy boy. And then uh, your lungs exploded. <laughs> I do hope you're okay. Uh, I've never seen someone. I've never met her. <laughs> mm. Yeah, this is. Um, there is no reason to make all that noise. I brought on my brother Neil because his thing is he loves to drink a soda, but he puts a ton of ice in it. And anytime I call him, I mean, anytime I call him, he crunches the ice. He says he likes it because it makes the soda last longer. Oh. And he's just crunching the ice the whole time I'm talking to him. I, I'm, and I'll be telling him something like. <laughs> Jesus, come on, Gorley. Sorry. I'm trying to, (laughs) now you? (laughs) Sorry. That's just what people want to hear during a two-year COVID crisis. I always have to clear my throat. I cough a lot. I clear my throat when I laugh hard. Well, screw what I was saying. Uh, No, your brother crunches ice, and I think that's why you hate it so much, because you want your people's undivided attention, and you think they're distracted. And I'll be telling Neil something like, yeah, you know, I haven't confessed this to anyone before, but I've got a real fear of crunch, crunch, (laughs) crunch, crunch the whole time. And I'm like, I can't talk to her. Like, you know, I've always felt like what I should really want to say to our father is crunch, 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 crunch. And now I'm doing Nick and crunching ice. Mm. A crunch, a crunch, 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 crunch. Uh, Mr. President, uh, we really think Watergate's getting out of here. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Mr. President, I know you uh, are done with your soda. Can I just take the, no, 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 there's, there's still ice in there. But go ahead, what did you have to say? Well, anyway, they've revealed that there are tapes. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Crunch, 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 crunch. Do you think this is gonna follow me around, these tapes? Well, we're really worried about crunch, crunch, crunch. Is oh, for saying, God's sake, is Gourley. he saying crunch or does Nixon eating ice when sound Nixon, like him crunching? When Nixon. Nixon does anything, the sound effect is in his voice. Okay. So okay. if Nixon's like, well, uh, time to cross the room, walk, 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 walk. This is like Nixon sound effects theater. It is. It yeah. is the sound effects theater. And now I'm going to enjoy this uh, icy drink. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Crunch, crunch, uh, because of the ice. <laughs> he explains. He explains the sounds. Anyway, um, uh, that was uh, terrible. Your whole experiment was a failure. Yeah. But, but we had some good laughs. We had fun getting there, didn't we? we? Yeah. we should, oh, my God. Well, why don't you go have a tracheotomy? <laughs> okay. And that'll open an airway. I need help. Yeah. And um, very good. Okay. All right. Enough foolishness. Let's do this. My guest today is an absolutely hilarious comedian who's currently on tour with his new stand-up show, From Scratch. Tickets are available at johnmulaney.com. He also voices Chip in the upcoming Disney Plus movie, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Beat me out for that role. That's available to stream on May 20th. I'm absolutely thrilled. He's with us today. John Mulaney, welcome. Listen, I am so thrilled to see you. you You did a very nice thing uh, recently, which is 
you were hosting Saturday Night Live, you wrote me uh, into a little bit, uh, the Five Timers Club, which meant a lot to me just because I had been in the first one a million years ago. Conan played the doorman in the first one, sort of the butler of the- Yes. And and, and whose name, (laughs) you had a character name, which was Sean. Sean, which is completely, as you pointed out, completely unnecessary for this sketch. And I can't remember- I think it was in the script. It was the first five-timer sketch where Tom Hanks was being inducted. And it starts with me opening the door of the club. And I work there. And Tom walks in. It starts with, uh, I would say, which is a really tricky move, which is a kind of a a live TV fade Mm -hmm. from home base, which is where the monologue normally happens, where the host stands, to a set. So there was almost this like Playhouse 90 kind of like push in on a door to cover his transition. And then you hold it down. I mean, you're holding down a few moments of live TV in this grounded ass character, Sean, <laughs> who's working there, who's happy to work then. I'm happy to work there. And and I remember uh, I walked to the door and I open it and Tom says, oh, hello, Sean. I think he- No, no. He says, what's your name? Oh my God. Okay. And you volunteer Sean. <laughs> okay. I, I don't Which remember. Which feels like a note Lauren would give, like- People will wonder who that is. And they're like, should we say his name's Sean? He's like, yeah. You know, like that will solve this non-problem. Right. And I could have, you know, now in these sensitive times, I could have said, oh, I'm Sean because I'm Irish. Ooh. Right? You guys owe me $600,000 because I'm offended. But these were different times. Um, And so- (laughs) And so I opened the door. All I remember, you clearly remember this much better than I do, but- I'm not a seasoned hand. This is a big deal for me. And Tom walks through the door and my job is to put a smoking jacket on him, like a velvet kind of robe. I go to get it off the hook and put it on him and something gets snagged briefly for a second. In my mind, it was 40 minutes of me trying to struggle, you know, wrestle Tom Hanks into this smoking jacket. Yeah. I, later on, I saw the tape and you it's barely perceptible, but this, I was horrified. It is putting on a garment in real time, which on television has a weight to it yep. that's, uh, that's much more, it's much heavier than you realize. And I watched that the week, I'd seen it back when it aired and I'd seen it in time since, but then I watched it the week that we were doing SNL together a few weeks back. And I thought, boy, that's awkward to put a jacket on in real time, forgetting that I was going to do that at the end of this five-timer sketch. Paul Rudd <laughs> hands me his jacket. Yes. And it's interminable. And- It's interminable. I'm glad we're getting into this because- I throw my ja- I throw my suit jacket off. Yep. And then in real time, you watch my, my shoulder <laughs> go back and the weird- light bulb of a shoulder I have and it <laughs> goes in and <laughs> see you see how I you see how I put on clothes which is like yeah you contort you, my body you dislocate your shoulder yeah um like a magician oh uh, he's not present in his body the audience yeah. <laughs> oh he's not present uh, actually a heckler shouted that which was uh breathe a- <laughs> breathe when you speak you've been performing for 20 years breathe now so you kind wrote me into this and you gave me such a great line, which is Steve Martin says, um, yeah, it's too bad that this is uh, not important. And just, you gave me this great entry line for me. One of my better lines anyone's ever given me, which is, did somebody say not important? <laughs> and 
I had people on the street saying to me, oh my God, that line, did somebody say it's not important? <laughs> so thank you for that. That was really it, fun. And as then- much as it's a comedy staple, did somebody say, the notion that someone, like you're walking by somehow. Yes. And yeah. you hear the phrase, <laughs> just the very conceit that someone would hear a phrase and then enter the room where the phrase was said to say, did somebody say? It's the greatest, <laughs> I know. it's one of the greatest conceits that's I was, never happened in life. I was walking by the five timers club i heard steve martin's voice i heard a voice say not important and i i have to enter the room and say but the nicest part as as much fun and as nice as it was to get to do uh that sketch and go back to saturday night live after so many many years that was a joy people were so happy you were back from rehearsal onward it was the greatest thing to see from the everyone on the floor everyone in the booth all the writers that worked there like throughout the after party were like can i meet conan can i meet conan of course you can meet him he's nobody you know (laughs) i mean i'm not nobody you know what i mean but you know he was somebody (laughs) yeah 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 um if i had it you should have said if i had a time machine you could go meet him back when it was a real thing um it was it was so fun it was so nice there were people there uh, that, you know, so that part was really nice, but it was also fun. You mentioned you were going to try out your monologue in the Comedy Cellar and I could come by and would I come by and check it out? And it was just nice. It was a nice experience to hang out, to watch you do your set, which by the way, I remembered at the time thinking like, oh my God, you're loaded for bear. I mean, you had it perfectly nailed what you wanted to do. I was I was lucky in that I'd been on the road some and I and I knew and I had some life events to address so like I I knew what I was going to do basically and that's a big relief. Yes. Cuz that's 8 7 8 minutes right in the barrel live TV so having that under control. I would say I was still nervous about it up till the second I did it but having it feel under control and running it at the comedy cellar and having you and Olivia and people watch it it was good. Right. It was very nice to I mean, first of all, as you know, and as uh, people listening should know, the monologue going at Saturday Night Live, going back to, I think, almost the beginning, has always been one of the last things addressed. So orphaned. It's so orphaned, and it is so, uh, um, you know, just completely neglected. And it was always the thing when I was working there, it was the thing that would get pawned off on people. So, yeah. and so whenever, and you think about it, yeah, if John Mulaney's coming out to do a monologue, you're going to be fine. He's going to handle that. But most of the time when you have, you have an actor who's never done a monologue in their life, you know, that you, wasn't. You, I mean, the, the biggest uh, revelation to me was that a lot of these, a lot of people would come on the show were extremely talented, but they were film actors. And sometimes they were film actors in their early twenties and They'd never been in front of a live audience. Right. And let alone- They got out of college. They started auditioning. They got great breaks and they're in a great movie and they're really talented. But the notion of standing in front of a live audience and doing any kind of humorous speech- Well, it's also- It's terrifying. It's also where they came up with a kind of hamburger helper of host comes out. Oh, wow. It's great to be here hosting Saturday Night Live. Cheer, cheer, cheer. And I just want to say, excuse me. <laughs> Cookie Monster, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I have question. And and then, well, you have question, please, Cookie Monster. I'm trying to do my, and that kind of helps the host get through. I love the, I'm trying to do X on well, SNL. Whenever that's like, excuse me. Yes, yes. And and I, uh, I have to say, 
By the way, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. It's great to be here hosting Saturday Night Live. Simon Rich and I wrote uh, a monologue every week for three years yes. because of this very reason. Because no one else would deal with no it. No one else would do it. And my first week at SNL, Simon had been there the year before, and he came up to me and he goes, we're going to write a monologue every week because no one writes the monologue and you can't cut the monologue. <laughs> and it was He's actually a, a great- He's a genius. And it was actually a great- It was such a great way to just be in the mix yep. quickly. And of course, writing a monologue on a Tuesday night doesn't mean jack shit. You're going to re- I mean, it will be a thousand percent different by Saturday and your names will still be on it because you're still producing it. Right. But uh, he used to call, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, it's great to be here hosting Saturday Night Live F7. Like on the keyboard. <laughs> and we were going to try to make it a shortcut. <laughs> F-stop seven. Thank okay, you, thank F you. Thank you. It's great to be here yeah. hosting Saturday Night Live Cheer. Excuse me. Cookie Wait, Monster. Cookie Monster. I'm trying to do a monologue. We'll get to that in a minute. And then some kind of soft New York joke that the Muppet people are okay with. Like, yep. Cookie Monster met Squeegee Guy. And you're yeah. like, okay, yeah. That's yeah. kind of a New York joke from 1989. Yeah. yeah. Then gave blowjob to get crack. Oh. Hey, hey, the Henson people want to talk to can you. The, can the Henson people? Hey, uh, man, we're old hippies. And it's like, you know, wait. Hey, we're weird old hippies you know the way, who look like cookie, our own puppets. You know the way when Cookie Monster eats cookies, the cookies just fall out of his mouth? Yeah. It's the same thing when he gives a blowjob. Oh, There's just, I'm sorry. On, why? It's the same thing. There's just cum shooting everywhere. None oh, of it goes down. Come on, no, man. no, no, no. It, no, he's not. He's being so profane, but he is. Uh, that is right. <laughs> it's a problem. Criminal. Hey, the Henson people are here. Uh, Conan, the Henson people. They look like mops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever talked to the the Muppeteers? I know they're not called that. Yes, and and I and I've I they did monologues. I did. They're great people, but it's funny how they they moved and looked and talked like Muppets themselves. So you go to the green room where the where the Muppeteers again. Sorry if that's not the term are are waiting between dress and air, and you'd be like, hey, in this Miss Piggy. You know, someone's going to go, I bet pigs can fly. And she'll go first class, you know. Yeah. And uh, Jesus, you're good. <laughs> Damn, you're good. That was an actual joke I put in a Muppet thing. Uh, and they told me they liked it. That's why I remember it. Uh -huh. um, but you'd be like, hey, so now she's going to go first class and go, yeah, we can do that all fellas, right? And they go, yeah. And also, like I've noticed. bowl cuts and beards. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And um, their eyeballs just rattle around in their heads. They do. They have loose eyeballs. In real, in real life. <laughs> I went That's to the museum of. That's a true fact. I went to the Museum of Puppetry in Atlanta. Of course you did. Right. I had the money. And <laughs> do you remember on like do you remember on Sesame Street that there was always this kind of all-purpose uh uh Muppet who was like bald with hair on the sides and a mustache? Yes. And like yeah. and this this was a guy they just He could used. be anybody. He could yeah. be anybody. They showed us that like that was a thing that, that they had like a thousand of those. Yeah. And it was basically like they'd Mr. Potato Head it. He was the it was Phil called Har like a non-character. It was the glue. Yeah. It was the Phil, Phil Hartman, Hartman of Muppets. Yeah. yeah. He could just be, he could be a reporter, but he could yeah. also be the you person You needed him to come out in a trench coat and put his Muppet hand out and feel for rain. And then... <laughs> <laughs> So, no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. 
I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Everybody Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security as the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform. And one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. (laughs) I was telling people, no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified Unified business business management management suite. suite. You said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis. NetSuite.com slash Conan. Man, that was a good, we got a little good Muppet hunk there. Uh, and our apologies to the Muppet people. That's really on me. I took it I took it in a Too bad far. direction and I, I apologize. Yeah. It's all right. No, no, no. Uh, what I did was terrible and unforgivable. It's I all could, love. I could easily edit it out, but I won't. No, it's all love. Uh, <laughs> have you noticed when people say that when like they just want to move beyond something they haven't apologized for or dealt uh-huh. with at all? It's all love. Come on. <laughs> like, what's all love? You murdered my wife. Ah, but it's all love. We're moving forward. <laughs> you lit fire to my house. I know. Listen, that's then, right? It's all love. We're doing the podcast. <laughs> 
It's probably like when they go up to, because Ringo Starr only says peace and love, peace and love. Peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. Yeah, yeah Mr. Starr. With um, a Tourette's-like energy. Yes, yeah. You remember but, that video where he said he wasn't going to sign autographs anymore? Yes, I do. Fucking fantastic. Don't don't send anything more peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> he says, just, don't, he just he decided that he was going to tell people, no more, I please stop writing fan mail. I'm done and requesting photographs of me, which is not something you have to say. Yeah. You can just not respond anymore. Also, I'm like, it just became overwhelming to you? Yeah. <laughs> like, started in 1962. Started in 1962 with the most letters anyone could ever receive in the history of letters. Yeah. And now it's like, you know what? But I'm I, sick of this. I we love that he just- a storage unit filled with them. <laughs> he just wrote. <laughs> it's a fun video to watch because he says, that's it, no more. And he goes, from now on, peace and love, peace and love, no more, can't take it anymore. He says, from now on, they're all going straight in the bin, which means they're going in the trash. <laughs> You're like, okay. But for now, from now on. <laughs> but from now on. Yeah, like, now so on. you, he's like, well, I can't throw these away for 50 years. Um, Did you see Julian Lennon saying, imagine- I heard about it. I didn't That'll see it. That'll end the war. That'll do it. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. You know what I mean? It's like, who cares? It comes up in my Google feed every other hour. If I sang Imagine. He swore he'd never sing it. Did you know that? I, I didn't, didn't know that. I didn't know or care. No, yeah. I know. You're yelling at me as if I'm Julian Lennon. <laughs> I'm you- yelling at you like you're my Google feed, where I'm like, listen- it's embarrassing the news you know I can. It's like, you know what I can handle uh-huh. intellectually, and it's embarrassing to be reminded of what I actually click on. My Every day I get another thing about like, Wheel of Fortune fans are upset that, because there's always some- Yes, who misses an obvious one. But know? I guess there's an article almost every day by some sort of web site. And now I get them every day and I'm like, is Wheel of Fortune under fire or is this just the feed I'm getting? Is everyone hearing about Wheel of Fortune? Well, the thing I keep seeing is the Wheel of Fortune where they'll say, we'll be a contestant and then you'll see the board and it will say, all you have to do is solve it. And it says, why did the Hicken cross the road? Yeah. And the letter C is the only thing missing and the person's wondering and wondering and wondering. Why did the Thicken? Yeah. Why did the Thicken cross the road? Oh. And you would have won the Acura. Yeah, we took down Wheel of Fortune and we took down the Muppets. Uh And I squeezed in a little shot of Julian Lennon that no one needed. (laughs) Took him down a peg. For too long, he's been been, been getting a free ride. (laughs) He's been getting a free ride, riding high. (laughs) What are you friends with him? Are you, 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 you're like thinking, you're doing the math in your head now about you need to cut that because you're so close with him? We are very close. I've interviewed him a few times. He seems like a lovely fellow. I'm sure he is. And I think he was born, uh, I think we were born days apart from each other. In different circumstances. Yes. His father was one of the most famous people in the world and uh, mine, a uh, a young microbiologist with a dream. But your dad did drop acid constantly. What do you mean did? Still does. My dad is 93 years old and still dropping acid. (laughs) And he wears a- <laughs> He tried to dose you as a kid. He tried. <laughs> he he dresses like Sammy Davis Jr. did in 1971. <laughs> just tons of tons of crazy jewelry. And I go home and every time my dad gets wackier and wackier. It's funny just knowing your dad. Yeah, but he's constantly blasted out on LSD. Um, and uh, <laughs> Did you ever do LSD? I'm an I'm a incredible square. Oh, uh, okay, wait. I never drank in college. And then I was some, I walked in on- some people who were doing cocaine, I opened the door and some guys, I'll never forget, they were wearing white tuxedo jackets, like the evil kids do in a John Hughes high school movie. (laughs) They really were. And they looked up and they said, hey man, do you want to do a line? And I said, 
Uh, thank you, but no, it, it interrupts the heart rhythm. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, which is, oh, no. you know, because my dad was a doctor. I'm like, it interferes <laughs> with the heart rhythm. And then I backed out of the room. Alvy Singer over here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, no. It interferes with the synapses that feed signals, the reptile brain, the heart. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, no one ever offered me anything after that. Is this, okay, is this then apocryphal and not true? And I, I, I okay, you can cut this up. You can do whatever. I, I keep telling you, you can cut things. You I can do whatever that. I want. I know you can do whatever. You're not even going to be on the podcast when it airs. I heard <laughs> that you had a tank of nitrous in college. I Which did, doesn't sound like is true now. It is not true. I did not. Was there a tank of nitrous at the Lampoon building? Yes. Oh. Was I the president of the Lampoon for two years in charge of things? Yes. Did I order the tank of nitrous? No. Did- Did uh, you sign the invoice? No. <laughs> uh, or maybe I did. I don't remember. I didn't know what was good. There were plenty of things that people wanted to do at the Lampoon, and I could neither s <laughs> prevent it nor make it happen. Oh, okay. I thought I you were about to say you didn't see it happen. Okay. Oh, no, no. I saw a tank of nitrous Get there, delivered. And um, yeah, <laughs> hello, nitrous delivery. And, <laughs> and Look, I, I got a tank out here. I got to get this truck. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess someone's doing some welding somewhere in the building. You <laughs> But um, this no. disrupts the heart's rhythm. Yeah. I have to call my father. He's busy dosing right now. But I have to find out if nitrous interferes with the heart rhythm as, as much as oh, cocaine. The white lady. Look, I got 10 tanks to drop off by noon. <laughs> so you can just sign this fucking thing or get out of my fucking way. But no, the idea that Do you I remember would... how an industrial tank of nitrous arrived? I, don't, I, I never know how. I hear about like the Grateful Dead had a tank. I'm like, where do you buy a tank of nitrous? There was shit coming and going from the Lampoon building constantly. Right. It was like they had an elect, made a 12-year-old president of the United States. <laughs> I was, I had acne. Um, I wore a three-piece suit because I thought that I had achieved this that I never had owned before, but I went out and found, like literally got one because I thought I should have, if I'm going to be a president of this very old August <laughs> organization, I have it. So I actually wore like a vest. You were, with a th you were elected president of an organization you didn't understand. I didn't understand. <laughs> this was just for a little while, okay. but, but I was such a square. And then there were, you know, these upperclassmen saying, yeah, we got nitrous coming in. Well, of course you do. Okay. <laughs> um, you fellas seem certainly out of sorts when you breathe it. I've noticed some of you seem a little, well, less than uh, on kilter, let's just say. <laughs> After you've had a full dose of that wacky gas. <laughs> but I, uh, I, never, I never did any of that. And I used to walk around with uh, Coca-Cola in my in my glass. Oh. Um, yeah, I was a total- uh, Sinatra used to hate that. If someone around him, he would smell your glass to find out. I worked with Frank for years. <laughs> I, I shouldn't do this. I do this occasionally. I bring up something I read, but I bring it up with the authority of someone who lived it. Sure. Frank would do that. <laughs> Ask me how I know. How do you know? <laughs> I read it in okay, a biography okay. of Frank Sinatra. Um, He'd smell your glass to make sure it was actually whiskey, not Coca-Cola. 
Okay. Well, he would have. He was I a mean, very aggressive, unhappy person. He did come by the castle uh, in, uh, I think you it was 80, 83, the doorbell rang, and I had a big glass of, uh, it was a coffee mug, but it had Coca-Cola in it. You were wearing, wearing a top hat and tails. Yes. <laughs> and I opened the door, and it was Frank Sinatra. Hey, dingbat. He went, hey, ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> And uh, and I hip squeak if you don't move, yeah. And then he said, "What's in the glass?" And I said, "Nothing but gin here, Frank." And he said, "I gotta smell it." <laughs> and he smelled my glass, and he could smell that it was um, Coca Cola. And he fucking lost it. This is a true story. Nineteen eighty three, February yeah. of eighty three. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he lost it, and Cold he was out. with Jilly Rizzo. Oh man, his uh, big bodyguard. And he said, Jilly. Show this leprechaun what we do. <laughs> Mr. Sinatra, don't take kindly to fibs. <laughs> Mr. Sinatra, it's very disappointing in you. And he uh, beat me with a trash can, which oh. I've never seen anyone While do. While Frank strolled in yeah. and just did nitrous. He did with nitrous. PJ O'Rourke or whoever the hell was there. <laughs> this guy's conservative, but he makes me laugh. <laughs> and at least he's got real gin in his glass. <laughs> Instead of that fucking stretch out this St. Patrick's Day parade flag. This guy's like the news, but he cracks me up. <laughs> so that's the day that I was beaten. Borowitz, by- get over here. <laughs> Give me an off-kilter quip. <laughs> um, this guy twists the news up so much you don't recognize it. <laughs> oh Sinatra. Yeah, Sinatra, <laughs> if you just found out, he loved the lampoon and went by constantly. <laughs> just, <laughs> now you fellas. These, you fellas take things and you write them all screwy. <laughs> 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 I've always been a fan. Be great if his true passion was not the blues and it was not the great American songwriting tradition. No. It was uh, Ivy League humor. Ivy League humor. <laughs> <laughs> I used to see And him. these fellas put out a calendar <laughs> that was fake <laughs> with made up things in it. And little sayings, and they'd say, Ben Franklin said this, and the guy never said it. <laughs> so I, uh, I get my Harvard Crimson, which is the newspaper that uh, they put out. That's uh, the straight Harvard. sheet. That's the straight sheet. But guess what? <laughs> One day I get it, and it's all different. It's saying crazy <laughs> things. And I'm like, Jilly, get in here. Look at this. There's crazy news today. And then it turns out that those lampoon pranksters, they did their own version of it. But it was screwy, see? <laughs> it wasn't the straight dope. He submits. He said, <laughs> read it if you, he's embarrassed though. I wrote a little something. It's a, it's a pretend letter to the editor. It's phony and it's fake. It's not a real letter. He's read real, it if you want. Yeah, Sinatra's it's real nervous. Staged and phony. <laughs> Sinatra's real nervous about submitting to the lampoon. <laughs> My SNL packet never got read. It's sitting there cooling like ice. <laughs> And this thing must have been cooler than iceberg lettuce because I never got a call from Jim Downey. Wow, Mr. Sinatra. I love that that was his big weakness was that he loved Ivy League humor and that he submitted to SNL and couldn't get his packet read. <laughs> this guy who conquered. Well, that's what they told him. They probably haven't read it, Frank. They probably haven't read it. Oh, that's different then. 
I've been worried they read it and didn't like it. But if they didn't read it, well, that's on the square. Uh, what? Do, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where we are. I don't know. We've washed ashore. Um, well, were we supposed to? I don't remember where we were either. We were. I asked you if you did nitrous. Your dad took LSD. Uh, Frank Snart used to come by the Lampoon all the time, beat the shit out of me because I wasn't drinking straight gin. And you lied to him. I did lie to him. And I, you know what? But I like that he's ready to rock as soon as you open the door. What do you, what's in your glass? <laughs> what are you drinking? And I like that I was beaten with trash cans. Because yeah. there's part of me. I feel like that's a probably would be a, a henchman thing. I bet they like don't leave a bruise. Kind of like a phone book, you know? Yeah, it's like- um, Smashing someone's head between two <laughs> trash cans. It's a certain kind of trash can that if they hit you with it, there's no bruise and you get out clean. Again, you did this. You made these riffs happen. What you know what I, I once saw? What'd you see? Um, at Palm Sunday Mass, when I was a kid, this mother- Lucky you. This, I know. <laughs> 12th row. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> That's where John Levitz would lean in. I, I just went to Palm Sunday Mass. Jealous. I saw a mom- so mad at her kid, she grabbed all the palms from her family and threaded them together like a whip and started- No, you did. Yeah, she started hitting her kid with it. That's fantastic. I know. I was like, that's next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> the mom took the time to thread them together. I remember her going like this. Uh, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm sort of- I'm, I'm, I'm Smoothing them out smoothing together. Smoothing them into a whip. Thank you. I'm very fascinated- and I do want to talk to you about your process, which I don't understand because how does it work for you? How do you, do you sit down? Do you write this out? How does no. it work? And this is, I know it's a very boring question, but I often watch you and think, I don't know how John does that. I have no, um, man, there might be times I've said I had like a writing process. I have no writing process. I've, I just was talking to some other comics about this. I was like, do you have like a, a process? And everyone was like, no, it's scary to admit, but um, okay. So for this hour I'm doing right now, I started getting on stage in May of 21 mm -hmm. and just doing an hour with, I, I had a bunch of areas and stories um, that I wanted to try. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think I had the time, you know, I think I looked and thought I can cover an 60 minutes of talking, but it was really from... <laughs> scratch that's the name of the tour um the shows at, in new york those may shows were called from scratch because i wanted to convey to the audience that i am i'm actually like this is all gonna be new so it could be like rough it could just not be polished or that tight at all right and the first shows weren't um tight at all um and thank god someone reviewed the first one uh <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and me. said, and helped. It was it a helpful review. No, they said it was open and vulnerable and dark. And I thought, well, I literally was just institutionalized. So right, right. <laughs> I'm like, when, <laughs> but also, no, it's totally fair to write. What that was review the amount of time? And if it's if it's too personal, don't tell me. But what's the amount of time between when you get out of? Rehab, rehab or that process and when you set foot on stage um got out in february and went up for the first time in may okay did that um now part of it is yeah. you know it's uh 2021 there's just last winter so not mm -hmm. everything was open yet mm -hmm. and there weren't you know there were no opportunities to go out i think maybe i had some zoom college shows that i sort of smartly didn't do mm -hmm. and then um uh, yeah, by the time those dates at the City Winery, this really nice venue on the West Side Highway there in New York, 
Um, once those rolled around, it was it was kind of the first time it made sense, other than to go to the comedy cellar where they had like plastic up, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was kind of the first time it made sense to get on stage. But I also, at the same time, probably were everything open. I still would have waited a couple months. Right. Well, I can see, I, I can imagine a couple of things. Um, like I've said, of all I've done is a ton of nitrous. Uh, but I can imagine it feeling like this is a very vulnerable time, but also this could be very cathartic. This could help. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know which way it would come out. It's, uh, I mean, it. I sort of now am at this place where my mom, who I love so much, um, she will look at my tour schedule and be like, I'm concerned, you know, you're out so much right now. Touring. Yeah. Are you okay? Is it stressful? And I'm like, this is... The, one of the greatest times of my life, and this is the best thing for me. It's so fun. It's so uh, I don't know if right now it's cathartic so much as um, it's just a joy to be out. It's so fun that people come out. It's so nice. Like after everyone, not just myself, everyone had a very challenging couple years. Yeah, like everyone's out together. It's the best. It feels great. So I was I I knew this will make me feel better getting up on stage in May. And then I also had a very real like, like oh, I bet I feel uh, this is gross, but like I feel like my skin's been like peeled off. So yeah, like yeah. I don't, you know, and and I was still kind of going through some chemical withdrawal, mm-hmm. which lasts longer than you think. And so I just wasn't comfortable anywhere, and right. and and was a little nervous talking to friends, and was you know seeing people that for the first time just for dinner or something was strange. So. I didn't feel, you know, stage ready. I felt shaky for a little bit. Uh, then I started to go, well, I'm getting antsy in this different way now. And I think it's because I want to go out and uh, be a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I've yet to meet Malcolm. Oh, well, he's a little baby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I, but I mean. It's I, funny. It's so I, cute I, to I, hear you say his I, name I, like he's a person. He is a person. I know, but, but it's, it's so funny. funny I, like, keep going to, I keep going to parties and bus stops and stuff, and I don't see Malcolm coming along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Acting like, I haven't run into him yet. I didn't I've been to see all... Malcolm at Phil Rosenthal's. I don't know why he wasn't at the big. At the big, at the big uh, pizza, <laughs> pizza oven cook off. At pizza Con 22. I think Andy Richter said this once. He said, because he had. Uh, his daughter Mercy before I had kids. And he said, man, it sure makes your life before look like it was in black and white. He likened it. I was kind of like, what's it like? And he said, it's like the black and white uh, movie Wizard of Oz. And then she opens the door and it's color. He said, that's how much it, and he said, it sure does make your life before look pretty silly when a human being shows up. So that's really funny. Yeah. That's Um, really sweet. It does. Yeah. That's an interesting, it does, man. I, you know, when you watch a movie with someone who hasn't seen the movie before, yep, that's what it feels like with Malcolm. Like when I'm out with him, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, the world's great because I'm seeing it sorted through his eyes. Right. And he's looking up like trees and shit. <laughs> Malcolm will lay on his back on a blanket in the backyard and just like kick his arms and legs squealing because he sees the trees in the sky. Right. And I never cared about any of that shit outside stuff. Never cared. No, I really didn't. I really didn't. <laughs> not uh, a nature guy. N- n- let let alone nature. I, I, I was not a backyard guy. Uh, uh, in, in I'm an indoorsman, and so <laughs> seeing you are a rugged indoor. I'm you a, know what I love? You're a rugged indoorsman. Right, right. You're uh, the Nick Offerman of the indoors. Yeah, who can't do a single thing with his hands? Couldn't shuffle a deck of cards, or I could, but if I wouldn't want anyone to watch. <laughs> Not because I'm cheating, but I don't know how to shuffle. Uh-huh. Uh, but man, 
he just, uh, and I love, I mean, he's my son and I love him so much, but also like, I just, I'm fascinated by him. And I love watching him see the world. Right. And seeing what like sounds, what sounds, images, lights, volume levels, he make him laugh. And then times where he gives these looks like, Jesus, not like crying, just kind of like, can you not? (laughs) Yeah, well, you had that great line. I'll get like too loud and too high in his ear, like, hi. And he's like, okay, all right, take it easy. All right, easy, dingbat. (laughs) Jilly, take care of this guy. Hey, my son. And a a bigger baby crawls in. (laughs) Bigger baby crawls in with with an appropriate to scale size Size trash trash can. can. Give me that, (laughs) give me that head. And I still am ambitious and I still want to do things, but it's just a, that's still there, but yeah. I'm like, uh, if he's good, I'm good. Yes, and I I liked that. Um, I don't know, almost lessening of the ego or ego deflation of just. Oh, I still have a big ego. <laughs> oh, oh no! Uh, trust me, <laughs> so do I. But when my ego's deflated, it's still insane. I'm still <laughs> Stalin. I mean, it's sometimes just... <laughs> I lean down and I go, Malcolm, you know what your last name is? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking famous. <laughs> Is it true that you're constantly handing uh, Malcolm eight by tens of yourself? Oh, yeah. You know what I would like to? He's sort of, one time I walked in the room and just because he's learning his hands, he's just learning he has hands. Uh-huh. And he's just always like, it's like he's a shifty guy lying on the stand. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm like, you keep gripping one hand and the other hand back and forth. Yeah. These little pudgy ass hands um, that look like quiche. And he's like, uh, but he, he banged them together when I walked in. I was like, ooh, I wonder if I could get him, just train him to do that every time I enter the room. Yeah. To applaud. Hey, I tried with my kids. Um, you know, it was great with uh, my You had kid. Mike Sweeney warm up your kids. I did. Mike <laughs> Sweeney. All right, energy, energy. Yeah. When my kids were born, the minute they came out, I had Mike Sweeney uh, sort of work with, you know, work the crowd yeah. for 10 minutes. And so they knew that I was a big deal. Um I don't know why that just reminded me of when we first started doing the late night show in 93, we knew nothing about what we were doing. We had all these crazy ideas and yeah. all these grand schemes. But in terms of the nuts and bolts of how you run a late night show, we didn't know anything. And we didn't know that you need a warm up guy. Oh, no. So we- Was anyone helping you? Well, here's what happened. <laughs> no, actually. So we didn't know that we needed a warm up guy. And then someone said, oh, we need a warm up guy. And we said, well, who does warm up on Letterman? And they said, well, the announcer does it. And mm. for Johnny Carson- the announcer, Ed McMahon, did it. And so we thought, right, the announcer. So we had hired this <laughs> announcer, very nice guy, Joel Goddard, who yeah. had a terrific voice. Yeah, and he'd be like, it's Joel Conan O'Brien. Yeah. And then we started putting him in sketches. But he was um, a straight voiceover <laughs> announcer guy who literally his whole, you know, his career had been, stay tuned for more. You know, uh, this brought to you by Chevy trucks, reliable Chevy trucks. That's all he had done. And so we handed him a microphone. Someone handed him a microphone. I was, of course, busy just trying to not wet myself. And so um, we were busy with how can we premiere this show and not get killed and how can we survive? So we just sent him out. And I remembered walking out to befuddled crowds for a while and not kind of understanding what was going on. And then once I was putting my tie on and God love you, Joel, it was great. But but I heard him doing the warm up Uh and he was saying, then Conan went off to Harvard, where oh he studied God. the history and literature of America, specializing <gasps> in Flannery O'Connor and Faulkner's work in the Deep South. 
part of the Southern literary movement. He graduated magnum cum laude. And you're like, why don't you? <laughs> Born with every advantage. You know, it was the last thing in the world you would want to tell an audience about a comedian. Yeah. Conan has. Uh, so let's get a lot of energy up. Let's get a lot of energy for a man who's read a lot of books. You're in town for one day. You're in town for one day and you've come to a taping and it was just. He joined the <laughs> acapella group. Yeah. The Stemsman, <laughs> a four white male singing group specializing in singing and rounds. Before I bring him out, let me tell you, I've felt Conan's hands and they are lily soft. Never a day's <laughs> honest work. O'Brien claims he's never actually seen anyone do physical labor because his pater, the Latin term for father, told him it should be avoided. Let's bring him out now with a lot of energy, Conan O'Brien. <laughs> That's a true story, um, but God bless you. So I'm, I mean, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that you're getting to be a dad and see what this is all about. You know, it's just- It's the it, best. And, and, and I, he's a great hang too. He's just a great, like, I can- He's prop, chill. He's a chill hand. I can prop him up on the couch now because his neck is strong. And, like, I was watching Bosch and I- I like how low the bar is for babies. He's a great hang. Really? Yeah, his neck is strong enough that, that I was don't have to him up. <laughs> I know a lot of people that that can't be said about. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people that can't hold their head up and make eye contact. No, no. So I was watching Bosch on Amazon Prime. As one I does. I just want to get mm -hmm. it in. Yep. Uh, and- <laughs> That's Bosch on Amazon Prime. That's Bosch. <laughs> That's right. The title is Bosch. Uh, and I just propped him up next to me and mm -hmm. it was like, he was watching Bosch. That's pretty cool. Can you imagine the pride I had? I was like, one day he'll watch Bosch. <laughs> and I may or may not be here, but he'll be there watching yeah. Bosch and his neck will be even stronger than it is now. Absolutely. We can only dream. Are your kids, are they, you have, uh, Sona has twins who uh, yes. are. Yeah, they're nine, they're nine months old. And do they watch? Um, do you watch Bosch with them? I no, we watch uh, other stuff. We watch oh, a lot of reality watch TV. Yeah, you yeah. gotta watch Bosch. It's on Amazon okay, Prime. Bosch it's on for Amazon kids? Prime. Okay, that's cool. Bosch yeah, I was for gonna kids. say you were talking about how you hadn't met Malcolm yet, mm -hmm. and I was like, you're not gonna want to meet him until you can get a response. He didn't want to meet my kids until they could laugh. Really? Yeah. I love. I have to get a laugh out of any creature. <laughs> yes. I won't meet. I won't meet a. I, I won't go to a petting zoo unless I've been assured they're capable of laughing. <laughs> the animals. And so for a while, I didn't, I, I wanted to go when I thought I had a reasonable chance. Yeah. And I did. I worked Mikey for a bit. You Charlie, did. I don't know what his fucking problem is, but Mikey. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. He he's, seems he, like a snob. He like was a, a little he's baby. A shirt. He's yeah. a stuffed shirt. He's a stuffed no, shirt. No, he's a, he's an angel. He and was he, wearing a little silk top hat when I opened the door. Maybe you're just not his style. He oh. high-hatted high Conan. <laughs> he did. Anyway, uh, yeah. And then uh, he, I don't know, he just stoned me. Yeah. I got Mikey. Yeah, he did. He got, got one Mikey. of them. But I work hard and then I will turn... Uh, this uh, I once went to when my when my daughter was in um, preschool... Maybe maybe it was first grade or kindergarten, but they had a thing where you read to them and you're supposed to read a book and different volunteers would- <laughs> You're over explaining a thing that I know what it is. <laughs> they me. had a thing where you would read to them? Excuse me. This is I'm why not... I asked what you were doing when your child was born because I'm not done yet. <laughs> So they can't read yet, you understand. And so what they want is they, they got these little schools. They got these schools <laughs> with short stack desks. Yeah. It's like a college, but it's not. They've dumbed it down because the kids are small and the fountains are real low to the ground. Are you still with me? 
And so uh, they had and a- These kids dropped their whole pants to pee in the air. <laughs> so I started doing it. And then a guy at the bus station says, you can't do that here. I said, Mac, <laughs> I could show you a school where this is what everyone does. Why am I Sinatra again? Jilly, get over here. So I, I got brought in to read to the kids and I started doing shtick and stuff and the kids were really laughing. Aww. Like pretending was, and, and I said to the teacher when it was done, I was killing. And she was looked at me <laughs> with such sadness. And she was oh like, you God. just need to read the book. <laughs> I actually said they to still teacher, can't read. But they, to this day, none of those kids can read, but oh, do they know how to laugh? Oh, do they know how to laugh? Because you ad-libbed everything. So now they think reading is just holding a book while riffing. Yes. I didn't. I <laughs> hey, what's this? Oh, that guy. I never. Hey, look at a guy in the Hawaiian shirt. I never I never opened the book. It was Good Night Moon, and I was holding it. And I'm like, and look at this kid over here. And look at that guy with the sweater. Hey, would you get that from Bill Cosby? You know, like, and uh, killing. Absolutely Destroying. killing. People doubled over laughing. And crowd shots, like Evening at the Improv. Screams. Kids at little tables laughing. <laughs> I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit! Yeah, I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever, okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for, or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. <laughs> <laughs> There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts and, or money sprees that have fun new mini games, plus with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah. And we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up. And I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Conan. I want to make sure I do right by you because, uh, look, I'm a guy that gets, I cut to the quick. You got this movie coming up and we keep promoting Amazon Prime. You've got an upcoming Disney Plus movie, Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers. Is that or not? Is that, suddenly I'm a prosecutor. Is that true, sir? <laughs> That's true. Yes, I do at this time. <laughs> All plugs should be done that way. It's, it's a very funny movie. It's a cartoon, right? So it's, you don't see me. But you hear me. No, no, I'm serious. Oh, and I'm the one explaining shit, huh? Yeah. So you hear my voice and Andy Samberg and I play Chip and Dale uh, of the beloved Rescue Rangers franchise that uh, many of us. Did you watch Rescue Rangers? I did. Yeah. Yeah, of course I did. That and DuckTales were big deals to us. This Mm -hmm. is while you were writing for Wilton North Report or some (laughs) shit that no one's ever, that only people like me know about. Uh, I was writing for the Craft Comedy Hour. (laughs) (laughs) Brought to you by Paul Mall Cigarettes. I was doing a summer stock show with Alan Havy. <laughs> so now the uh, Chip and Dale from Rescue Rangers uh, are the actual actors from the show Rescue Rangers. And uh, I don't know how much I can reveal. Uh, who cares? They're getting back together to solve a mystery. It's a genuinely really funny movie. I think people who are not uh, even familiar with Rescue Rangers would like it. Sandberg's hilarious in it. Akiva Schaffer directed it. It was a great, great time. How nice is Dan it? Dan Greger, Doug Mann. If, if I'm forgetting any of the writers, I truly apologize. But we there can, are a lot of funny people. We'll have someone else's voice add them later. <laughs> It'll be very clear it wasn't you. Tiad Stones, Alan Zaslov, Kathleen Shugru. How nice is it every day I thank uh, whatever force is guiding the universe um, for the fact that I managed to have this living where I'm routinely working with really funny people. I mean, the way, how you just tossed off... Sandberg and Akiva, and just yep. like uh, it, it's uh, the fact that I had this thought. Uh, you and Simon Rich came over to my house and we hung out. And he Love- built a fire with the flue closed and the room filled with smoke. Yeah. And it was this perfect test of politeness because I was like, it's fine. I think it's fine. Oh, <laughs> the, no. The room was filling. You know, it was so great. Oh, the no. flue has always been open. And uh, and and it's just open all the time because we're here in LA and you keep the flu open. And unbeknownst to me, someone- uh, It's like a guy trying to pretend he doesn't have a butler and he runes the house himself. Alf, I'll, let me fix a fire. Closes it. <laughs> I didn't know what fire was. I just thought fire was naturally occurring. Like when they did that, they did this profile of Dan Rather once for the New Yorker, I think, or somewhere. Mm-hmm. So he goes, he like went to the news floor, which he hadn't done in 35 years because right. he was being followed by a journalist. And phones would ring and he'd pick them up going, rather here. And people would go, what? <laughs> and he'd go, rather. And they go, what do you mean rather? You're, yeah, what about Dan Rather? Be like, I'm Dan Rather. And they'd be like, the reporter's like, he clearly had never, he had not been working the phones in the newsroom for some time. I knew, you knew I was in trouble when you, you rang the doorbell and the door opened and I was being held by a butler. I was yeah. actually being carried, I'm carried around the house. I haven't used my legs in my home. No. In over 20 years. No. Um, you sleep in that chamber still. <laughs> that has no benefits. It has no benefit. Actually, You're is- on a pure late 60s health regime. <laughs> cottage cheese. Cottage cheese and melon and one of those vibrating belts. <laughs> I did get to go. I was taking a tour 
we shot something. All of my stories involve, I was shooting a remote. Everything is that I was shooting a remote and we were over at a, a by Will Rogers, the great humorist's home. I assume he did something bad though. So you might as well say great, but flawed, right? I mean, sure. He was, he, was a, he was a guy in the olden times, so he probably did bad things, right? I don't think he did. I think no? he's one of those guys that everyone, when he died. Dude, you want to, you want to, you don't want to bet on my side. <laughs> you bet, know what? Great. bet but, on my side. Great, but probably flawed. We're all flawed, so it's safe, you know. Okay, great, but probably flawed. And his kids are probably old too, so but they don't care. I went and shot something and he was, you know, the biggest comic and humorist uh, of his day, 20s, 30s. And, uh, they said, hey, Conan, you can come upstairs and look at his real bedroom. We never show it on the tour. And I'm like, of course, I'm a history buff. I'm like, yeah. I've got to see that. Mr. O'Brien, please wait for us to catch up. <laughs> Will Rogers' real bedroom. Oh, boy, here we go. Here oh, my we God. Go. Oh, my God. He'll probably have a bureau. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But anyway, they showed me his bathroom, and it was a very pedestrian 1930s bathroom, but it had one of those weight reduction belts. <laughs> that uh, There were so many things that I only know about because I grew up watching comedy shorts from the 1930s and 40s, probably And like I know you. them, well, but I also know them from The Simpsons because I feel like that was- Yes. Th those were, yeah. But there's a whole generation of comedy writers that, that, that I'm part of where we grew up when there wasn't enough- stuff to put on TV. Yeah, I remember watching Laurel and Hardy on UHF stations. Yes, just and the, on a Saturday. And the Three Stooges. Yeah. And and so um and I would watch uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons, which always had an anvil, meaning yeah. an, and I've always you know pointed what I like out about that no one knows what an anvil is only because they've seen them in cartoons. Um I've seen anvils back in theaters with ropes tied to them to hold up curtains. Right. So right. maybe it was it was that. You know what I like about Bugs Bunny was he was always trying to get to Albuquerque. Right, right. <laughs> that was his goal. Yes. And uh and he rarely talked about it, but it was it was understood and then people would just try to murder him cuz he'd be sarcastic. Yes. So he'd be like you know, on a boxcar trying to get to Albuquerque and then like, you know, Elmer Fudd would show up and he'd be like, "You suck." Doc, you know, whatever he's saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd mouth off. That was not his quip. Well, <laughs> Doc was. You suck, Doc. You suck. <laughs> Sayonara, sucker, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look through Bugs Bunnies now. Well, these, 1940s are, these are the old band ones. You know, oh, the these are the band ones. Anymore. Yeah. So uh, the ones that make fun of Hirohito uh, You stuff. smell like, uh, you smell like ass, bug. <laughs> you fucking suck. And I told you before. <laughs> Get out of here. Ah, chomp, 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 chomp. <laughs> and then they just beat the, and then they just try to kill him. Mm -hmm. And then, and then he'll he'll hide behind a cactus. He'll dress up like a woman. He'll do anything not to die. Yeah. <laughs> He's like an old acid head wandering around the American Southwest who's just like pissed someone off. And they're like, we're going to kill you with right. We're going to stick a rifle in your mouth and try to blow your head off. And he has to do anything to live. You know. It's like Bill Walton. Hey, <laughs> you know, but you. Bill Walton. <laughs> yeah. Got to get to Albuquerque. Dead and company. <laughs> so your take on Bugs Bunny is that he's desperate to get to Albuquerque because the dead are playing in Albuquerque. The dead are playing there. Bob Weir, Bill Kreutzman's first show in weeks. Bill Hader sent me this clip of, of Bill Walton. Of course Walton. he did. Yeah, of Bill Walton, um, who Hader is born to play. Uh, Bill Walton talking about how he was obsessed with Kareem. And it's, uh, maybe it's, I'll send you the clip, but he's just going, I'd be in the weight room going, Jabbar, Jabbar, Jabbar. I'd be bite, I'd be running, Jabbar, 
Jabbar. I'd bike from from Oregon to Mexico. Jabbar, Jabbar. I was like, Oregon to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so Hater, for example. Yeah. There's a good example of someone who um if a bunch of us are hanging around, I it I will say I've never taken it for granted when I'm around funny people or when I'm around a Marty Short or a Steve or anyone. I just I can't. I know. I I, I always look to a camera that's not there. And no, it's mouth, it's the greatest and, and just mouth. Thank you. It's this the is greatest, so much fun. Uh, there's. I mean, I laugh extremely hard multiple times a week, which is like the greatest thing yes. you could ever ask for. Yeah, it's the greatest thing you could ever ask for. And when people ask me about Saturday Night Live and hosts or. Not musical guests, but hosts or just moments with like, you know, when Sarah Palin, when Tina did Sarah Palin and sort of marquee moments. Mm -hmm. I'm like, like, the greatest thing was writing um, a sketch with Sandberg and laughing so hard till three in the morning or writing with Bill every week and just dying laughing with one of the funniest people in the world, writing yeah. with Simon Rich and Marika Sawyer. And like starting on Monday night when we start writing ideas, just like absolutely laughing hysterically. Did you feel- It's the greatest feeling in the world. And, and yeah. you know, we were younger then too, but it's still, it still is the same. It's still exactly the same. I wish if, uh, you know, the one phrase I don't agree with is no regrets. Um, oh, yeah. You know, people say no regrets. <laughs> and I think, no, yeah. that's. We don't in the rehab world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a thing. <laughs> Welcome to no regrets rehab. <laughs> but I do. I, I do um, find myself thinking, you know, I was uh, so intense when I was at SNL and so concerned that I, you know, do good work and I have something really good to offer that it, it, I don't know, it didn't have to be that way. I think I could have had more fun. I did have a good time, but I, I wish, I wish I had been able to, I don't know. Can you see that? Some, you, you've I can worked, see you've that. seen around. I don't I think like it's your, your work ethic. You're, you're very hard on yourself. Right, and I think that, right. you know, you could, I wish I had not you, quite been that guy. Yeah. I wish I had been. I get that. But you, I don't know. I, well, one one thing that's bad to what that I have found was really bad um, to ingrain in myself was that if I'm having a miserable time, the the end product will be better. Yes, that was, that was a big thing, <laughs> of course. And um, I remember the first time I hosted Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. The show was really fun. The show the show was great. I twisted myself in knots all week and was pretty miserable. By Friday night, I was feeling miserable. Right. Like, things turned out really fun on the show, but just uh, emotionally, I was like, I want, you know, no one wants me to host because I'm a writer. Everyone's thinking this is going to suck. And everyone's wait. It was like the world is waiting for this to be bad. And it, I was just in knots. Yeah. And uh, it was so unpleasant that while I, while I, you know, a lot of other things in my life, I needed more emotional maturity about, I did make a pretty good resolution that the second time I came back, I was like, I'm going to have fun. And if it's a bad show, then that's fine. If this weird Catholic superstition of must suffer for it to be good, if that's true, I'd rather have fun for the week and have the show suffer. Let's just see as an experiment if that happens. And I had a lot of fun that week and I thought the show was strong. It took me years to undo that. 
And I mean, so, I I feel like I've even heard like top NBA players say like practice is where you work hard and the game is fun. Exactly. When people have asked me if they're going to host SNL, I always say really try and think about sketches, what you're going to do, what you like, what you feel comfortable in, uh, and then really try and pay attention to hitting your marks and stuff at dress. Air, just have fun. Yeah. It's a water slide. Yeah. Very true. See? I'm not so stupid after all. <laughs> Remember when you called me stupid? <laughs> no, your announcer told me that you graduated. <laughs> Magna cum laude. You should listen to, um, I'm just getting some things in that might just be conversation rather than for the podcast, but you should listen to Bill Walton on, on Al Franken's I'm, This podcast. is all going in. Okay, good. Bill Walton on Al Franken's podcast. It's so funny. Okay. It's just like, yeah, Al. He just keeps quoting song lyrics. He's like, I'm looking for the bright side of the road, man. See what love can do. <laughs> so, it's so amazing. All right, I'll check it out. I'm sorry. I'm on a. I'm on a. Whoa, I'm on a Bill Walton kick. Listen, today. anyone <laughs> who tuned in to this one knew that it was going to be about Bill Walton. Yeah, one of the great uh, basketball players of all time. They expect it because they know about your obsession with Bill Walton. Jabbar. Jabbar. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know how to end this one. Just oh wait, I'm I, I do want to say I'm playing the Hollywood Bowl, and I'd love people to come. Okay, when is this? This is May seventh. Um, one of my favorite comedians, Earthquake, is a special guest on the show. Oh great, He's absolutely hilarious. Um, it's going to be a great time. Formal wear is encouraged for the audience. Really? Yeah. Earthquake and the the date again May 7th. May seventh, Hollywood Bowl. I you know that place off the 101 where no one can park? Oh, trust me. I've, I've Park at the VFW down Highland. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great venues of all time. Yeah, Hollywood it's Bowl. really, really I, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that you're out Please there. Please come. I would love to be there. I got so many comps. Well, that makes it so, okay. Well, that's not nice. And yes, I'd be- No, I mean, I'm desperate to give these away. So you come. <laughs> I love anyone going, you know. I love going to a show and then assuming that, of course, there'll be a moment when the lights come up and I'm brought up on stage. Oh. And um, and putting that out there to uh, someone to the star who really doesn't want that. That's <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing. Someone once told me. Uh, I think it was this comedian Jim Florentine. Mm -hmm. He told me he was doing a show. Um, and Howard Stern walked into the theater mm -hmm. and the entire <laughs> the entire audience gave him a standing ovation. Oh my God. <laughs> like mid-word. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they did that for Abraham Lincoln at Ford's Theater. <sighs> that that I'm not gonna touch with a 10-foot pole, bro. He was one of the presidents. Sorry. I, I have a lot of reverence. That wound is still pretty fresh. I have a lot of reverence for everything except Will Rogers <laughs> and for some reason, Julian Lennon. <laughs> no, nah, but for um, real, that, that singing that song is going to help a lot of stuff. Uh, I, will, uh, I would love to come see you uh, at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, I, May 7th. May 7th. Uh, Amazon Prime. Bill Walton. And check out Being the Ricardos on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> How did Amazon Prime get to you? Um, hey, uh, this this is a gift that you coming in and and chatting with me about everything in a random order uh, is a gift, and uh, I'm just delighted delighted to know you. And it's uh, a delight to know. And you. and uh, man, goddamn, 
uh, one of the funniest human beings and just, and, uh, oh, so- you're the greatest. You're the, <laughs> no, you're the greatest. Okay. You made me so happy in my life. You've made, you've brought me so much. Oh, I thought happiness. you were doing a bit. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember your three year anniversary on late night? Yes, when I do. you wore a top hat? Yep. Yeah. I remember in a cape, mm-hmm. I remember sitting there with my brother, like you came out and we looked at each other and we were like, and we kind of felt like because we had been such rabid fans. Mm-hmm. That it was like our victory too. And we like looked at each other, like, we did it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you did. Thank you. No, no, no sorry. But no, but really it's nice. Like, it's, I just remember that. I remember, and I, I've told you this before, but um, when you had Grady from Sanford. And yes, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. I just remember knowing it was the night Grady was going to be on. And I'm somewhere out of my house in Chicago, but I just remember it was getting close to 1130 central time, mm-hmm. you know, when your show was on. And I'm just sprinting down the street. To see, because I knew it was the night you're going to bring Grady out. That's Sprinting. Me. That makes me going uh, Jabbar. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you! Sorry back. to undercut it. Uh, no, that was uh, that. That makes me uh, really and happy. many many thousands of times since. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, listen. Um, listen. <laughs> stupid idiot. You're so awkward. I know. <laughs> I can't Neither of us looked at each other when the other was complimenting. It's so funny. I was this complimenting. Guy's pen got more looks. <laughs> I can't do it, but- uh, This guy's staring at a cheap pen. It's the good pen, man. This is the the pilot precise grip. Thank you, Sona. You got me the right pen. Okay, this is fucked up. Anyway, damn it. You take care of yourself. You take care of yourself. And don't talk to me that way. <laughs> Never speak to me again. And um, I'm going to come by soon. You're you got to meet Malcolm. I'm going to make your kid laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah, or you'll freak him out. But that's okay, you know? <laughs> I'm just looking for a reaction, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Uh, God bless. Upward. And your dad does not take acid. I, well, I don't want to be sued by him. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he's so high, he wouldn't be able to sue you anyway. Um, no, he does not take acid. He's seeing um, Bob Weir and company. This okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shutting it down. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Conan, I love you. Thank love you, Sona, too. so nice to see you. So nice to see you. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, with Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Becton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. 
Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.